0: Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville, with Associate Pastor Keith and Pastor Brandon. Well, hi everyone. Welcome to the Fresh Bread podcast, where we deliver God's truth to a starving world. And today is podcast number four, and we're going to be looking at kind of a teeter-totter of two topics, one is antinomianism, which is hard to say. We learned that it's a big seminary word. Another one is legalism, and these are like on a teeter-totter, kind of hovering back and forth with each other. So, Pastor Brandon, let's define these terms first. The, first, the seminary large word, antinomianism.
1: Yeah, I mean antinomianism is, I mean, literally means anti. Is Greek for against and. Nomianism or Namas is uh, the law, so it literally translated would be against the law. The idea of antinomianism is that that I need all I need is grace. There is no law. It's I'm I'm saved by grace and therefore I don't the the law has nothing to do with me. So that would be more on the on that side and legalism would be the opposite extreme. I'll, I'll say the opposite extreme, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna tell you something different. But in terms of the, it's it's the opposite extreme in the sense that it's thinking that you can obey the law in order to make things right with God. So I, if I, the more I do, the more I obey, the more He's gonna see me positive. And and it starts with, I mean, if you wanna take, you know, really, it, it thinking that I can work my way to heaven. Is, is would be really legalism. But it, within the Christian faith, legalism would be thinking that I'm going to find favor with God because I do the works of the law. So as an example, I keep the Sabbath. Therefore, God is going to see me in a more favorable light because I keep the Sabbath. Or I eat certain, don't eat certain foods. Or I, I observe certain days and I don't observe certain days. So therefore, God is going to see me more favorably. But they are related. They're both a they're both an aberrant view due to an aberrant view of the law. Both both sides of the of that coin. I would say it's both sides of the same coin. Is a lack of understanding of the role of the law in the Christian life and in the
0: gospel itself. So you didn't like my teeter totter analogy. I suppose nobody knows what a teeter totter is. So a coin is better. It's two sides of the same coin. It's like grace and mercy, or it's opposite.
1: Well, I, that's the thing. Is I'm not sure. It is opposite in, in, in that it, as it relates to, you know, like as an example with antinomianism, it's saying that, I, that I'm that i free. It's all about grace. You know, I can blod and therefore, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fail. But grace is, his grace is sufficient, which is true. But there is, a, there's this idea that I, almost a Gnostic idea that I don't have to, I don't have to obey because he's going to, He's just going to make it all better. Whereas legalism, on the other hand, legalism is is this idea that I'm going to work my way, to, I'm going to gain favor with God. But they're the they're so so they're opposite in that sense. But then they're the same in the sense that both of them are an aberrant view
0: of what the role of the law in the in the Christian life. That is, that's a good definition. That, I think that's good. So ask me why we're even talking about these two things today.
1: Why are we talking about it? None
0: of your business. No. Um, it's because the Jesus Revolution film has come out and it's kind of sweeping the country. This, the Jesus culture movement that began in the late 60s over in uh, Orange County, California, and Chuck Smith, and we have Lonnie Frisbee and Greg Laurie came out of that movement. It's, it's a movement that it, it's something that's called the feel-good gospel is what sort of sparked that, where you were just talking about it. It's that point right, where you can go love and grace is really pushed And as far as the gospel and sin and judgment is not mentioned at all. And so you have people becoming believers who are believers because they they're taught about all of God's grace and God's love, but not about sin. And so it's almost like a modern antinomianism that popped up. So that's why I thought we would talk about it today. I think we're going to do a podcast on the film as soon as we see it. But should we? You know, I'm cheap. And so... (laughs)
1: So it, it's one of those things. We'll do the podcast and the film whenever, whenever it comes out on television. whatever, <laughs> whatever it comes out on. That's that's cheap.
0: Yeah, Netflix or something. <laughs> but when we when we look at the gospel, when we present the gospel, should we downplay sin in that? Is that something we should be doing?
1: No, I think again, it's a it's a misunderstanding of the role of the law. The law, I would argue, the law reveals God's holy character the law is really, it reveals that he's holy and that he has a holy standard. And if I didn't have the law, then I wouldn't understand how far short I fall. In terms of presenting the gospel, someone needs to, you know, you've heard it said maybe that, you know, you you need to get them unsaved before you can get them saved. And the idea is, is that they need to understand that they stand before a holy God. And the way that they understand that God is holy is by by presenting His holy standard to them and getting them to see, you know God's expectation and how they fall short, and there's a, there's a chasm between, you know, fixed between the holiness of God and and the sinfulness of man. Their sinfulness, and it's the law that reveals that that chasm. That reveals that chasm, obviously through the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in their heart to reveal that they fall short, and therefore they need the grace of God. They need I need they they need that understanding of who they are and before a holy
0: God. It's kind of like uh, the Steve Lawson, when we went to seminary, would always say you have to give them the bad news before you give them the good news. And the bad news is that we're all sinners and we're on our way to hell. But the good news is, right?
1: The good news is that, that Christ died for, for sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. And so I mean that's the good news, but they have to understand that they are ungodly. But I think we have to be to be an understanding that they won't come to that understanding that they salvation they won't come to that understanding outside of outside of the Holy Spirit working in their heart. That ultimately it's by grace through faith that they come to understand who they are before a holy God. So God's grace is sufficient, and God's grace is working on their in their heart. I mean, if you will. The Holy Spirit is working in their heart by God's grace in order to really I would say Ephesians two eight and nine, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. And I, I would argue that that the faith is is part of that gift. And so I think ultimately what's happening is is that someone comes to believe that there's there's grace that God gives. They come to, to believe through the faith that God gives them by his grace. Therefore, they come to understand their sin. So I think, you know, it's interesting. You know, the question is, is that do we call for someone to repent? I think so. But I think what we have to recognize is that repentance, that repentance that precedes faith is a human work. That if if someone just repents, you know, and and feels bad about their sin, if you will, they repent and that they they feel sorry that they sinned and they know that they they need to turn from it. That's not going to be... Effective. That's, not, that's not salvation outside of the grace of God actually in their heart. So if, if that repentance precedes, precedes faith, then that repentance ends up being nothing more than a work that can be undone. And again, I mean, the—I know we're not going there right now, we wanna get back to antinomianism and legalism, but I think well, you, know, you see people quote unquote fall away and everybody wants to know, well, can you lose your salvation? Ultimately, I think that's what's happening is is that there's repentance that isn't true repentance because it's repentance that has preceded faith. And so there's not true faith, therefore there's not salvation. They may serve in church, they may preach, preach the gospel even, and then find out later on, you know, you find out that they've fallen away. And I think it was because that, you know, that repentance that we see is is not not preceded by true faith.
0: Is it more of a where you're taught, do you want to avoid hell? Do you want your best life now? Those are not good ways to repent. When I heard for the first time the gospel, it was more of I wanted to avoid hell. It wasn't necessarily that I was a sinner, but I just didn't want to go to hell. And so I did say a prayer and I felt I was saved, but I'm not sure I was saved at that time. And it wasn't until much later when I was hit with the fact that I was a sinner. And that's when I really believed that I became a believer. But is it is it that easy grace, that easy believism that where antinomianism has its clutches on it? Is that easy grace? Yeah, I mean, I think
1: it's uh, again, you easy believism you've you've heard of the lordship salvation controversy you know john macarthur wrote the, the book the gospel according to grace and and it really was written you know in response to easy believism you know this idea that you can say a prayer you can say a prayer, you can you know, walk the aisle you become you now raise your hand yeah you you've got your you know you write the date in your bible and and you know you have your bible on the shelf that that you know anybody ever doubts that you were a Christian you just go pull that Bible off the shelf, you show them the date, you know, this is when it happened. I have my fire insurance, so to speak. And, all. And you know, it doesn't matter what, I, you know, I can go to the bar on Friday nights, I can go live whatever life I want to live. And I yet, you know, I have my fire insurance. And I think, you know, John MacArthur, in writing the Gospel of, of Jesus is, is saying, no, you can't, you can't uncouple that you have to, there, there has to be repentance, there has to be you know, that Christ has to be the Lord of your life. And it's not a, you can't just have this easy believism where you say a prayer and all is well. And so I think it is I think definitely, it's definitely related. And and yes, I think it would be a form of antinomianism. And I tell you, one of the things that we need to be careful with is, it's not as if the guys that are, you know, that are in that camp, I I don't think that they would say that they can, you know, that people can just live whatever life that they want to live. It's ultimately their issue is is that you know they really want to they want to emphasize the free gift of salvation, but anytime we emphasize one over the other, you know one side over the other, we're in danger of, of falling in the ditch on one side or the other. I mean, we, when I say it's all of grace, it's all all, all grace. Well, I, I think that's true. I mean, I, I, that we're saved by grace, but I think what we have to when we uncouple it from obedience, when we uncouple it and say, well, you know. That, that Christ doesn't have to be the Lord of my life, then we've fallen in the ditch on the other side, right? So, we have to understand that there is grace, and then, you know, ultimately, that that, that grace is sufficient to save us. As a result of that salvation, as a result of the fact that I'm saved, I will obey. I mean, I I will obey. Now, now the question becomes, what is the role of the law in the Christian
0: life. As believers, where does the law fit in? Are we under the law? Are, are we free from the law? Well, I would argue that
1: that we are under the law of Christ. Uh, I think Paul says that in Galatians 6. Um, you know, and, and if you think about, well, what is the law of, of, of Christ? I mean, it's interesting because I think in James 2, James says that it's the law of liberty. Uh, then, and then he even says that, that or he, he calls it we you know that we're on the, the, the he calls it the law of liberty but it, you know this this there's a freedom in the law in the in the law of Christ um,
0: so when you talk about when you talk about the law of Christ are you talking Hebrews ten Hebrews ten one where he, it says for the law since it, is, it has only been a shadow of good things to come we are not of the very form of things can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year after year make perfect those who draw near. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Is Christ is superior?
1: Absolutely. I mean, Christ, Christ is the fulfillment of the, of the Old Testament law. I mean, what his life, he lived the perfect life and, and he obeyed the law perfectly. He went to the cross. He died on the cross for the sins of mankind. But I think in terms of doing that, he defeated sin and death and has been resurrected from the grave. But in doing that, he fulfilled the Old Testament law. Uh, he fulfilled the law perfectly so when you were in christ now we're not we we are subjected to the law of christ because he's he's a he's a much he's much greater than than the law i mean the law pointed to our need
0: yeah so as believers there must be a changed life that's what proves we're believers there's a changed life there's a a 180 from our old life with a new heart
1: absolutely i mean that's i mean i think that's a again I, i i bring up I bring up the book of James, I mean, in terms of what's going on in James is that James says that faith without works is a dead faith. And so the, the issue there is that what James is saying is that ultimately, if I have a true faith, if I, if I have a true faith that is, from, that is by grace through faith, you know, using Paul's words in, in Ephesians 2.8, if I have that true faith, that those works are going to come as a result of my, my true faith and so then yes i mean you can't you can't uncouple the two you have to you have to see them and and understand that a true faith is going to produce works and even paul says that paul says that those works have been prepared beforehand that we may walk in them so so yes uh, you know true salvation absolutely will result in a changed life that you know we are now a new creation in christ and the old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. And so I'm now, I'm no longer that same person. And you know, he's, in, in, a, in a very real sense, I've been sanctified. Uh, and and I, that sanctification in that I'm in Christ, that sanctification in a very real sense is complete in Christ. I'm, I'm sitting on the throne with Christ, if you will. I mean, Paul says that in Ephesians that I, you know, I've been raised up and seated with him. I mean, that's a I mean that's a lofty place. I mean that's a that's a perfect that's perfect, right? But, you know, then you have the, to deal with the fact that we actually still live in the flesh and we're still here. But there is a there is this idea that you know, I am I used to say it this way, I'm I'm becoming what I already am. I mean that's what sanctification, you know, in terms of progressive sanctification in the Christian life is the process of becoming of what you what you already are in Christ.
0: And what so what's the biblical answer? between legalism and antinomianism
1: biblical answer i think we have to go back to ephesians 2 the biblical answer in terms of what paul is saying is you know to ephesians 2 is you know for by grace you've been saved through faith and this not of yourselves this is the gift of god so very clearly very clearly salvation is by grace through faith there is no there is no work that we can do in order to come to christ that that is it is Holy by His grace, that man is saved, and I think we have to be very under, very clear that that is true. But Paul even says it. You know, he says, well, he goes on to say in Ephesians two eight, he goes on to say, and this not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, meaning that I, there's nothing I can do to gain salvation. There's no work that I can do. I that I have to have the grace of God is is sufficient to save save me and i have to understand that but and he goes on in, in verse 9 not of works not of works, so that no one may boast and so that there is no work that i can do then it then he goes on though in verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them and so very clearly from ephesians 2 8-10 through 10, that there's salvation that's wholly a work of God that then results in works that have been prepared beforehand that I would walk in them and those are not sinful works God didn't prepare sinful works for me to walk in He prepared He prepared works that I would walk in that that are good works I mean it, it's it's clear not of works so that no one may boast but he, that we are created we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works therefore. We're going to walk in them, so I should be able to see, I should be able to look at your life, you should be able to look at my life, and you should be able to see those good works that we do. Now, that doesn't mean that, again, obviously we still have sin, but I think Paul covers that in in Romans 6. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? He says, no, may it never be. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin, sin still live in it? So, we need to consider ourselves as dead to sin, that we we died to sin. and therefore, why would we continue to live in that situation where we're sinning? So if I'm as an example, if I'm a practicing homosexual when I come to Christ, I can't continue living in this in that sin because i'm di- I've died to it. I've, that sin no, is no longer is no longer to be reigning in my in my members. And so, can't continue in it because of that. And so, you know, now, I mean, now going back to even Ephesians, and, and it's, it's incredible, Ephesians chapter 1, such a huge chapter in understanding salvation, but it's 1, chapter 1, verse 13, Ephesians 1, 13, after listening to the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so, I've been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now living inside of me. And so if I'm sinning, if I'm continuing in sin, and we're talking about, you know, continuing habitually to sin, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit in doing so. I really love the words of John in 1 John, starting in verse 5. John says, and this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so just with those verses, what he's ultimately saying is, is that... If I'm continuing to walk in the darkness, if I'm continuing to practice homosexuality, if I'm continuing to be an adulterer, if I'm continuing to be a liar, if I'm continuing to be a murderer, I'm breaking those, you know, the God's commandments in that way. If I continue to do those things, he's saying I'm walking in the darkness or the darkness and I'm lying and I'm not telling the truth. And therefore I'm not in him is what ultimately is is being said here is that that's the way I know that I'm not in him is that I'm doing those things but then he says this in verse 8 he says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us Well, wait a minute wait a minute so so you're saying that I can't walk in sin that I can't walk in the darkness that is but then if I say I have no sin I'm lying well, ultimately, that's exactly what we're saying, is that we all fall short of the glory of God, that there's always going to be, on this side of heaven, there's going to be this process of, of sanctification, there's going to be this process that, uh, of becoming more like Christ, but that doesn't mean that I don't have sin. And, but then he gives the answer to it, and, and I think this is key. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. So that's the answer is that I'm continually as a Christian to confess those pl- those areas that I fall short of the glory of God. And, and I am to know that he is a forgiving God, that he does forgive sin and that I can go to him and I can confess those sins and he's going to forgive me. And I don't have to. He's not holding them against me. He's not an ogre that's sitting up in the clouds that's going to just come down with a hammer on me because I sinned. Uh, yet at the same time, I have to see sin, especially habitual sin, as being serious. That is something that I have to deal with, and I and I need to keep, if you will, a short account by confessing and by forsaking sin.
0: Yeah, that kind of blows antinomianism right out of the water, doesn't it? And also, that's what the Bible does. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the Bible, the Bible does those things. It's kind of like <laughs> the Bible's the hammer, and
0: it's almost like, it. like a, it's almost like a sword. That just yeah. pierces your heart. Oh, really? Is that what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, also, what the writer says. but also, isn't it, it is the Holy Spirit's, one of his jobs is to convict us of sin.
1: Yeah. Don't. I mean, I, you, I don't know how a person could live with themselves. A true believer could live with themselves and continue walking in those kinds of sins. You know, as an example, I don't want to pick on homosexuality, but I could say, you know, being a liar, you know, continuing to lie all the time. Um, you know, I, I can even, you know, committing adultery, someone who commits adultery. I, I, you know, you, that, I don't know how you can, at the very least, when you struggle in those ways, you confess it as sin and you forsake it. And you, you're, you're looking to Christ in order to, in terms of you knowing that you fall short and. You're looking for, to Christ for the help that you need and to forsake that sin, knowing that you can't do it in your own power, that you need his help, you know, begging him to help you. I don't know how you can live a life of, you know, drug use or homosexuality or adultery or or any of those things, any of those things above without, I mean, it just being devastating. Really.
0: Well, what a wonderful way to end it.
1: Well, why don't you go ahead and end it?
0: I'll end it by saying this. that uh, Thank you for listening. This has been Fresh Bread, where we are delivering God's truth to a starving world. And we do appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to Fresh Bread, a podcast of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org.